0: Thank you again for letting me to be here. Some things have changed in our life. Number one, my bride and I have been, now been married for 40 years, and so we rejoice in that. And I don't know if it's a 40-year thing that happened, but we got out of the car and we are dressed exactly alike, except I don't have our little cape thing on. <laughs> we are leaving right after this, after I finish, and we're going to Las Vegas. Hey, there we go. Uh, and on to Hawaii, because in January, when they were trying to sell tickets, we bought some really cheap tickets to Hawaii for our anniversary. So I grew up there and we're going to Maui. We're going to spend a week in Maui. So if we come back golden tan, you'll know it was a great trip. If we come back red, it wasn't so good. <laughs> but we are grateful to be here today. Uh, happy Father's Day to you guys. I want all the dads to stand. Granddads, dads, adopted dads, foster dads. If you're a dad, stand up. Thank you guys for being here. Man alive. That's great. We appreciate that. Thank you guys. Sit down. Uh, if you, uh, are a dad, you know that, uh, everybody's watching you. Your wife's watching you. Your kids are watching you. The neighborhood's watching you. And, um, I took a new job, not just going around preaching and, and ministering to, to guys and coaching, wife coaching, but I'm now working at Texas, the musical drama. Now, you have to understand, I grew up in Hawaii and these toes did not see shoes until I came back to the mainland to go to school. So they asked me to wear to buy two things to wear. Number one, a cowboy belt. Yeah, okay. And a pair of boots. Yeah. So to break in the boots that I bought because my toes were going, what have you done to me? I wore my shorts and my boots around the house. Well, we were watching my little grandson and he was there and, and he's never said this. He's, he's like almost two years old and I'm sitting there and he looks at me and goes, nice boots. Nice boots. <laughs> And then he says, I like your boots. (laughs) And you can imagine that high-pitched voice just saying that. And that just... You know, melted me. And then next thing I know, I take my boots off and set them in my, in my, uh, office. And, and he has got the boots on walking around and he had picked up, they gave me a cowboy hat. This here has never seen a cowboy hat in its life. And now I have to wear one every night I'm down at Texas. And so I, he got the cowboy hat. He put it on. It's kind of flopping down like this, but, but the whole thing was just great. He's walking around in these boots and that cowboy hat. And guys, let me tell you something. Dads, granddads, that's what we do. We pour into the lives of the next generation and, and, and watch what God does. You know what I what I really don't like about Father's Day in a church is that the pastor always gives a Father's Day sermon, and, 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 the, and the people who are not dads are sitting there going, what time is this thing going to be over? I'm not a dad. I don't plan to be a dad. I, I'm never going to be a dad. Why is he talking about dads? That's good. Good for him, not good for me. So I'm going to talk about a dad in the Bible, but I'm not going to just talk to dads, all right? You ready? So I'm not just talking to dads. I want you to open your Bible up to an ironic verse because it's a Christmas verse. So Matthew chapter 1, and I want us to look at an obscure dad that nobody really talks about, and his name is Joseph. And I, from that, want to show you traits of a dynamic believer. Yes, a dynamic dad, because Joseph was, but ladies, I want you to hear this. Youth, I want you to hear this. Children, I want you to hear this, because Joseph's life shows us how we can be dynamic believers for Jesus Christ. He went through a huge decision in his life to marry Mary. That sounds weird, but to marry Mary, and he did because he listened to the Lord and followed him. I want you to stand as we read just a few passages there in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Matthew 1, 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her uh, to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I want us to share just five quick things about Joseph that I think will help us to learn how to live out our faith in a world that doesn't want faith. So the first one is this. Joseph uh, was a man, if you look at the text very carefully, it says he was a a just man. Uh, Other translations might say in verse 19 that he was a righteous man. Now, now what I want to do is I want to talk about a dynamic believer seeks these five things. So the first thing, a dynamic believer seeks to do is to be righteous, committed to the Lord. Now, I need to define for you, first off, what righteous is. If you want to put it in a package, there are two types of people that come to church, religious and righteous. Religious people come to church because they want to get the glory. Righteous people come to church because they want to give God the glory. Religious people come to church to be seen at the church. Righteous people live out the church. That's a huge difference. And so if you're looking at your life and you're saying, man, I don't know what that is. I don't know what's going on. Let me help you to put it in one more perspective. A person who is religious is very often self-righteous. A person who is righteous is savior-righteous. Now, let me tell you what that means. When we were born, we inherited sin, and now you are a sinner. You're clothed with this filthy garment, the Bible says in Isaiah, that that our righteous deeds are like filthy garments unto God. And so enter Jesus, who is perfect, and he says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to live a righteous life because you have not and cannot. And so now then I'm trying to live for God and be righteous. And I realize that I'm covered in this filthiness and I can't do it. My good works, according to God, are nothing but filthy rags. But here is Jesus in his righteousness. And so here's what he does. He says, I tell you what, let's do a great exchange. I will take your filthiness of sin and I will pay the penalty for it on my cross. And I will die in your place. And so your filthiness, your unrighteousness will be put upon me, put on my account. Imputed is the theological word. It will be given unto me. And now then, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take all of my righteousness from not sinning, from walking in obedience to the law of God, and I'm going to take that garment off, and I'm going to put it on you. Here's a a crazy thing. Jesus was crucified in his loincloth. The Bible says way back in the Old Testament, his garment will be taken off. They didn't tear his garment. Now, you know why? Because that is our garment of righteousness that is put upon us. If you go to Revelations and you read Revelations, you're going to find a picture. And in that picture are going to be people standing before the throne of God dressed in what, folks? What kind of robe? A white robe representing that they were unrighteous and now they are righteous, washed in the blood of the lamb. If you were here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, here is what has happened. Your filthy robe was taken off and it was put on the unrobed Christ at the cross and now you are righteous not because you're a good person, but because Christ is a good person. Not because you can live a good life, but because Christ lived the good life that you could not do. And because he died for the sins that you deserve to die for. So before you get all self-righteous, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have no business being self-righteous because you are Savior righteous. You are clothed in his garment that was dipped in the blood of the Lamb. And now you can walk forth committed to the Lord as Joseph did. He was a just man, a righteous man. (laughs) The irony of it, he was the father of Jesus in the earthly perspective. So the first thing as a believer that I challenge you to consider is how can I not try to be righteous, but how can I live out what Christ has done in me? I think Curtis puts it this way, and he told me to tell you this, so you can tell him he said that. It is what I ought to be. Joseph was what he ought to be, a man who lived after God's own heart in obedience to him. So the first thing is, Commit to the Lord. A dynamic believer loves the Lord more than he loves life himself. The second thing I see in this text is this. He he was not only a righteous person who lived for God and trusted God, but he was a respectful person. He cared about others. Do you have your Bible open? I want you to look at this text because it says an important thing here. It says Mary was found to be pregnant before they came together in marriage. Uh Uh-oh, not a good thing in that culture. Because the law of God, which was what they were under at that time, grace was given by God. But, but yet the law of God said that if there was somebody that was not married and they had relationships with a man, whether they got pregnant or not, and they were found out, do you know what happened to them? They were to be taken outside the city gates. Huge rocks were to be taken, and everybody in the city was to stone them to death. So if anybody had relationships with somebody outside of marriage, there was a death penalty on their head. Joseph knew this. Now, how did this all take place? Well, I mean, he wasn't even married to the lady yet. Betrothal, let me quickly tell you what that means. Betrothal means that they were engaged but could not break the engagement. For us, engagement means like, oh, check it out. Maybe I don't want you. Maybe I do want you. You, know. <laughs> you go meet the parents and go, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. They're not going to be my in-laws. We're done you know and some of you when you were engaged you were going through that mm, and even when you got to the altar you were like mm, maybe not and then the doors opened and there she was and go oh yeah bring it and so the culture had changed a little bit in the sense that they weren't stoning people anymore because the roman authorities wouldn't let them do it That's why Jesus couldn't be stoned for blasphemy. That's why he had to be crucified because the scripture taught it and the Romans wouldn't let the Jews do it. So nobody was getting stoned in that sense. But what happened was this. Oh, goodness gracious. You are those kind of people? Oh, my. So what happened was, when you're betrothed, it's the parents arrange the marriage. How would you like your mom and dad to arrange your marriage? Mm-mm. They arranged the marriage. You talk about social distancing with COVID. There was social distancing until they got married. The, the future husband and the future wife could not touch each other, get together, couldn't go out, couldn't be on dates. Mama said you're going to marry him. Daddy said you're going to marry her. And that was it. And the first time you got together was at the wedding ceremony. So here's what happened. Joseph and Mary were engaged. And to, to break the betrothal, you had to go through a divorce process because the marriage was sealed at the betrothal and the consummation of the marriage was later on, about six months to 12 months later. Mary had the Holy Spirit come upon her and she got pregnant. She went to visit her Aunt Elizabeth, who already was six months pregnant with John the Baptist. She is there for three months. Now, ladies, I don't know if you've ever wore like a robe, but when you're three months pregnant, unless you're just the tiniest little thing in the world, you're showing it three months. So Mary goes off to visit Elizabeth, comes back, and she is like, hello, Joseph, how you doing? What has been going on in your life? Now, get this. I love the fact that Scripture says, and Joseph found out she was with child. Why? Because they didn't date. They couldn't be together. There was social distancing, and he found out, and now he had to make a decision. One of two things he could have done. He could have had Mary taken to the public courthouse square there in Nazareth, brought out the accusations that everybody could see, And then she would be publicly shamed and disgraced. The other option was to pull her aside and privately go through a divorce process without bringing shame or lose her respect in that context. So here's what I want you to understand. A believer in Jesus Christ cares about other people more than they care about themselves. Their concern is for the needs of others, even over their own needs. Joseph could have very easily said, that's it, we're done. I'm done with this. And so he didn't. He stayed on track. I think a th- fourth, third thing that we see in this is not only that, that we are to be righteous and committed to the Lord, respectful and care about others if we're going to be a dynamic disciple. But the third thing I see is we need to be reflective. We need to contemplate our decisions. We don't need to be reactive when something happens. Dads, we are the worst at reacting, aren't we? What did you do? What do you mean? You did what to the what, to the when, to the why? And we can just be reactive. We might do it kindly. You did what to the when, to the why? Or we could be a little more dynamic about it. But the tendency for us is when something happens, we quickly post something or text something and, and it's harmful and it's hurtful and we wish we could erase that or delete that, but it's already out there. If anybody ought to be a person who reflects and stops and prays and thinks, it ought to be a dynamic believer. Before you make any decision in your life, I love the video because as we, we thought about it and we what? Prayed about it. There's going to be things that come your way and you'd just say, that's it, we're done. Joseph could have said, "Now, nope, I'm divorced that girl. I can't believe she did that. How could she? <laughs> but no. I love what the text says. And your Bible's open. Can you see it here? It says in verse 20, but as he, what does it say in your Bible? My Bible says considered. As he considered what to do. You know, I don't know if it was your grandma or your mom or your dad, but whoever said, count to 10. Before you do it, count to 10. Come on. So you guys might need to do that when you pick your phone up and you see somebody wrote something about you. Go, one, two, three, four. Okay, I'm going to put something. No, not at four. You got to go all the way to 10. 10. So you stop and you get in God's word and you say, God, I'm in a dilemma. I don't know what to do. And Joseph is a just man, a righteous man who loved God and was committed to God. And he didn't want to hurt Mary. He didn't want to harm Mary, even though it was an arranged marriage. And he really didn't know Mary. He said, I don't want to harm her. I don't want to shame her. It says that in the scripture. He didn't want to shame her. So believer, let me tell you something. The world is watching us just like my grandson watched me in my boots and put him on to emulate me. They are watching how Christians will respond. They're watching if you're going to get angry when something happens. They're watching to see if you're going to get in a tiff when things don't go your way. They're watching how you're going to respond when somebody puts something in social media that just damages your reputation. They're going to watch how you respond. Look at what Joseph did. If there's no greater example, it's this. Consider before you act and think and read the Word and say, what would the Word tell me to do? And then act. Dear friend, if just believers in this particular congregation would do that, you would change your neighborhoods. In working at Texas, one of my heartbeats is to pray with people there. And every time somebody mentions something, I'll just stop backstage and put my hand on it and I'll pray for them. The lady who plays the, the older woman, Cloyce, In rehearsals, she had her foot in the stirrup or hand in the stirrup of the horse. The horse fell on her and broke her wrist before the show ever started. Now for the entire season, she has to wear a cast. Of course, they cover it up to make it look like it's part of her dress, but she has a black cast. She got kicked by the horse in the head. And this is at rehearsals. We almost lost Molly, who plays Molly Goodnight, one of the key characters in the play, because her hand got caught in the stirrup of the horse, and the horse got spooked and fell over. And I saw her that next day, and I said, Cloyce, what happened? And she said, well, the horse decided he wanted to lay on me. And I said, come here, let me pray for you. And so in the walkway coming down backstage, I'm standing there and praying for Chloe. She goes, absolutely, thank you for doing that. There was a young lady the other night, and she was a costumer, and I went in there to check on something, and she's sitting there just in the corner, and she just looked horrible. I mean, not facially, but she was just so despair. And I said, what's wrong? She says, my dog Cooper got diagnosed with cancer. And I said, oh, my. I said, how long have you had your dog? He said, I've had had him since a pup, and he's nine years old. And I said, I'm going to sit right next to you and pray for you. And that's what we did. We have to reflect and say, how can we care about somebody? How can we minister to somebody? How can we act in a way that's going to glorify God rather than save us? Does that make any sense at all? You pray for me as I go on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights down to Texas because there's every day there's a need i have to tell you one more this girl who who doesn't know christ she works in the concessions and she was coughing, and she said, oh, I said, what is wrong? She goes, I got bronchitis, and it's just, I can't get rid of it. I've had it now for, for a week. And I said, can I just do something? Can I just pray? So here, the concession window is open. All these patrons are behind me. I've got my little cowboy hat on, my funky-looking Wrangler shirt, and my belt buckle, and my boots. And I'm standing right there at the window. And I said, come over here. Let me pray for you. I grabbed her hand right there at the concessions. I prayed for her. And I said, I'm going to pray that the Lord heals you. Guess what happened? The next day, she didn't have a cough. And she goes, yeah, I took a lot of medicine. I said, no, ma'am. I corrected her. I said, it's not the medicine that did it. It's the medicine giver that did it. And that's Jesus Christ. And so then she asked me, she goes, now, what kind of Christian are you? Are you the Christian Christian or the Catholic Christian? (laughs) Now, you may think that's funny, but that's all she knew. But she knew that I cared about her enough to say, I'm going to stop I'm going to reflect on what do I need to do when somebody says they're hurting, and what would Jesus do? He would stop, and he would pray for them and meet their need. Oh, dear friend, I could camp there all day, but the nursery workers want me to be done. (laughs) And I will be. And my wife right over here, she's going to hold up five minutes when it's time, which is about two minutes from now. So number three, reflect before you act. Number four. You need to be responsive. A dynamic believer responds, compliant to the Lord's will. Joseph went to bed that night thinking, about. have you ever just tossed and turned at night about a decision you have to make? That's what Joseph was doing. I don't know if you've had an angel come to you, but there's three accounts of Joseph, and every time an angel comes, I'm going, why is Joseph so special, God? <laughs> but he's asleep, and he has a dream, and, and, and God clarifies. His decision isn't that good. When God clarifies a decision for you, when you say, "God, I don't know what to do," and you get in His Word, say, "Well, I just need clarity. Please show me in Your Word what I need to do. I need clarity on this decision." And so the angel of the Lord, look what happened. So the angel appeared to him in verse twenty in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary." Your boy, right then he was just like you could see this soothingness come over him. Don't be afraid. What's, what's happened is the Holy Spirit did it. <laughs> Wasn't another man, it was the Holy Ghost. And he goes, oh, it was the Holy Ghost, then that's all right. you know, That's fine. And so you, she's going to bear a son. She'll call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sin. It's even according to a prophecy that was given long before you were born. But I love verse 23 and then on to 24. Jesus is going to be the one who comes. He's God in human flesh. He's the one that's going to live righteous so so he can bear our sins. When Joseph, verse 24, woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. No longer was there a decision to make. God clearly showed it to him through an angel in his word, even took him back to the Old Testament, said so the Old Testament said this is going to happen. Joseph woke up. I don't think he goes, oh, did I have a dream? Was that... What were they talking about? was that an angel talk to me? No, he woke up and said, it's done. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they say about Mary. It is done because he was a man when he heard God's voice, there was no question. He did it. Dear friend, let me tell you something. The world is looking at you and wondering if you will obey God's voice, if you will love your neighbor if you'll be kind to one another, if you'll be tenderhearted, if you'll show grace and mercy like you have been given grace and mercy. The world is watching, and the question is, will you act like Jesus? Will you act in a way that will glorify Jesus, then make you look good? That's the essence here. Joseph said, I'm going to walk around with this lady three months pregnant. I'm going to show her off. I can't do that because of social distancing, but I'm going to talk about her. He was a man who was compliant to the Lord's will. The last thing is this, relational, connecting with your family. Joseph was a carpenter. Can you imagine? I read something as I was preparing for this, and it was so funny, because it said this. He was just kind of thinking about Joseph, you're going to have a perfect baby. His name's Jesus. Don't screw it up. (laughs) (laughs) Joseph was a carpenter. In those days, you didn't go to college for your job. You had an apprenticeship. So Jesus coming up, he smelled like sawdust. He was in the thing. But here's what this guy said. He said, Joseph taught Jesus how to cut the wood that he commanded into existence at the beginning of time. (laughs) I just thought that was so great. Now, this is a treat. Yeah, I know. I made it. (laughs) Can you imagine that? And I don't know if Jesus had perfect cuts. Perfect cuts. And all his brothers, they were apprentices too because he had like four brothers. And they were like, Jesus always makes a perfect wood. <laughs> and this was hard work. They had to go get the lumber. They had to peel the bark off. They had to cut it. They didn't have saws. They didn't have all the modern technology we had. And then they had to make that. I just thought the other night, what if Jesus had made the very boat that he stood in to preach to Peter, James, and John, the fishermen? Would that not have been signed by Jesus, made by Jesus? (laughs) What if somebody like Pilate was living in the very house that Jesus cut the wood to live in and then condemns him to die? Joseph was a family man. Matter of fact, if you read in Matthew uh, 13, 55, they're talking about, isn't this the carpenter's son? Now think on that just a minute. Joseph made such an impact in the community and in Jesus' life that they didn't call him Jesus. They called him the carpenter's son. Isn't that Joseph's son? Isn't that the carpenter's son? Now, I'll tell you, Joseph died before Jesus was probably in his teens. And Mary had to take over all those folks and and gather them through. But what he impacted in Joseph's life, Joseph impacted in Jesus' life, made a difference in Jesus' life. The Bible tells us an event that occurred where they went to the temple when Jesus was about 12 or 13 years old. And they went there, and when they went there, there were so many people, and they they were heading home, and they couldn't find Jesus, so they went back. And Jesus was, of course, talking to all the leaders and very wise and all his decision-making. But the greatest thing it says is that they took him home to Nazareth. And if you read in Luke 2.52, it says this, Jesus grew in wisdom And stature in favor with God and man. Who instilled that into him? His dad, Joseph. His dad did. Dads, moms, are you helping your children to grow in wisdom of the Lord's word? In stature to know how to be a man or a woman of God? Are you teaching them to have favor with all the people at school and high school and on into the workplace? Are you teaching them to have favor with people and favor with God? That's what Joseph did in Jesus' life. And I think that's why God, in looking through all humanity and wondering who could be the parents of Jesus, boy, I'm glad he didn't choose Susan and I. We would have messed it up bad. Not that we're bad parents, but having a perfect kid. Can you imagine? Wow. Wow. Some of them think they're perfect and let us know that, but they're not. <laughs> but can you imagine that? The impact on his life. I want to close with one picture. And I want to show you a picture. That's a picture of my dad. He's in Vietnam. Right after he graduated as assistant corps commander. I need a whoop here. Assistant corps commander from Texas A&M. He went off and... Uh, this is the time we were stationed in Hawaii. Now I was a long-haired hippie back then and caused so much problem for my parents. I remember one time I got a little bit too inebriated at a club. Came home with my long hair. My dad took me and got me the military cut. By the military barber who was just smiling the whole time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This hippie's gonna find Jesus today. But then later on in life, when I found this picture, I want to show you this picture. In the background, you'll see two missionaries who were living in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Baptist missionaries living there. They were older, and so my dad saw the needs of all these kids whose homes were destroyed and didn't have any clothes. So he writes back to us living in Bryan, Texas, and says... I had five brothers and sisters, and so he gave us these notes, and we went to all of our elementary schools, and we said, can you bring clothes for the poor kids in Vietnam? I felt like an emperor commercial. These poor kids need clothes. <laughs> can you bring them today? Send your gift to Buddy Young Clothes uh, a Foundation. But we got those crates like the military uses to put your stuff in. We filled three of those crates My dad arranged it where the military came and picked it up. That's the day they got the crates. I have led students to 26 different countries to share the gospel. Twelve Christmases, I've led students to China to share the gospel. I have helped to mobilize 92 students to 92 different countries in the 30 years that I was working as a campus minister. And it's because I learned wisdom. And stature and favor with God and man from that man. To be a dynamic disciple, you've got to be righteous. You've got to spend time caring about people. You have to be in this context of respectful and reflective and responsive. And most of all dads today for you, you need to be relational. I don't know what your dad was like. And really, it doesn't matter. Because if you know Jesus, you have a new person and a new heart, and you don't have to be like your dad. And you don't have to marry that man that was like your dad. What you need to do is be a dynamic believer who loves Jesus with all their heart. If you're a child here, if you're a youth here, if your mom and dad aren't here, I want you to tell them, man, thank you for getting me to church. Thank you for bringing me here so I could learn to to know Jesus and follow him. And maybe one day when you're in the military and you go off to a country and you see the need, you're going to write home to Harvest Connect and say, we need food, we need clothes, we need pencils for school, we need something. And they're going to collect like they do and give. Are you a dynamic believer? Do you desire to have the things that Joseph had? It's easy. Just get on your face and say, God, help me to live for you. Help me to stand for you. Help me to follow you. And pass that on to your kids, and the God will be glorified. Let's pray together. If you have a prayer need or you just want somebody to pray over you, the altar team will be here, and you come. Father, we look at the life of Joseph, and he's the unsung hero of Christmas. (laughs) We really don't talk about him much at Christmas. So it's good we talked about him now. Thank you that he was the dad that didn't have to be a dad. He was the adoptive dad, the foster dad, the stepfather. He had his own kids with Mary, but, but somehow he invested in Jesus to where Jesus remained the carpenter's son throughout his life. And so, Father, we pray that we might be that kind of person, dynamic believer like Joseph was. And, Father, where we need to be tweaked a little bit, you do that. Get us in your word, get us on our knees and help us to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.